American football in Finland. That's how good he is. That's definitely the best offensive player. He could play receiver, quarterback, or running back if he needed to. Try to make them have a run game, which we know that they really don't have. I like to say he's kind of like, he kind of does like he's playing Madden when it comes to the playoffs. He starts doing a lot of weird stuff that you think can only happen on video games, and he gets away with it. But he ain't better. But in my opinion, he ain't better than Jabari Harris. I'll take Jabari Harris all day. Put that on the podcast, too. American football in Finland. Developing players. That's a big thing I'm key on, and I know you're probably key on it, too. Like, especially living here in Finland, is we don't want to have to rely on imports and people from other countries to come and play the sport in that country. Which do you prefer, practice or game experience to develop players? I mean, to develop myself, I've always said, just go up against the best people. Let's try not to use ourselves, because obviously, if you've played um, at a, yeah, for a certain amount of time, you've played games, so the game experience is easy. Yeah. I'm thinking more in general terms of, we get these players who are like grown men and we recruit them to the sport at a later age. Say you find a guy in the gym, he's 19 years old, you're like, hey, come try out for football, and he comes to practice, and he's like, okay, I'm ready to go in the game. Let's use that type of player. That type of player, how would you want to develop them? Would you tell them, hey, I need you to spend three years not playing in games, yeah. your free time, or do you just throw them in the fire and hope it works out? I think you have to start with an understanding of what, the role is like you have to tell him like look you're new this is how the system works and this is the plan we're going to feed you little bits here and there get you experience you know little parts of games not play all the game put you in different situations etc and stuff like that and build up mm-hmm. that's the way i believe like i'll take you back i don't know why but in my mind it's come here so in soccer this this kind of ticks my mind of a memory i've got is there's this, this striker this forward called michael owen Young prodigy, played for Liverpool and absolutely wiped the floor with everyone. Um, I think he was one of the, the, the youngest starters for England at that time. We're talking like uh, about 10, 15, probably more years, about 15 years ago. And what did he do? He went, boom, I'm going to go. He was just in the lineup all the time and go, boom, I'm going to go to Real Madrid. Best team in the world. Played all the time. Didn't perform very well. He did a few things, but it seemed like he didn't fulfill his potential you come forward a few years do what like arsenal have done with like players like theo walcott and other younger younger english guys is they've given them little just little development steps okay you'll play the last 20 minutes of this game or like you'll play in this competition because the competition is not as good so you can get a feel for how we play and a feel for what the competition is like and build you up so i think that would be the best way to do it is to don't just sit them on the sideline because then they're not going to be interested you know they're not paying or training to watch the game so let them get in there let them feel what it's like you know they make if they get beat then they know what it feels like to get beat a lot of people that play this sport don't know what it's like to get beat and then when they get beat they get scared and then they quit build up that like experience of little things and then build on that and then eventually they will become you know starters or whatever that's my personal opinion I kind of agree with what you said. Um, definitely when, I, when I'm when i a coach, I'm the type of guy that if I have underdeveloped players. I know, what, I know what you mean. And I don't, what I don't agree with is putting them on special teams. 
Yeah, okay. People say, oh, yeah, you earn through special teams. We're not in the NFL. Right. We're not freak beasts. We're not. You put a guy on special teams because he has raw talent. He has speed. He has power. He has, like, this fear, uh, not fear, this, like, hunger to hit or hunger for the ball. At this level, no. You don't put your you don't put your third or fourth string cornerback at gunner because it's not gonna work. You got RJ Long, you got Mikko Seppinen, you got Slater, Curtis Slater, you know, all these returners who are like A grade, elite level returners for this level. And you're sending your backups and your third strings down the field. Our um our coach last year, John Booker, he was like, No, starters will start on special teams. You want your best athletes, and that's what the NFL is. Or you say, oh, he developed through special teams. Yeah, because he's an athlete. The guy runs a 4-3. The guy is 220 pounds. The guy can tackle X, Y, Z. You know, that, that system doesn't work. And I don't like the way that is at this level. Is that, oh, yeah, you're not starting on things. Play special teams. No, give them reps. But like you said, feed them. Don't overuse them. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Like, I feel that... When it comes to special I'm glad you said special team. When it comes to special teams, if you're not a starter, you're not special. So why should you be on specialty? Like, why do you think that in this point in the game, I should take out a guy who's the best at what he does and put in someone who's not the best at what they do and doesn't have the potential to be the best right now? Like, you want to play the best 11 players. So obviously, when you have these younger guys and you want to develop them, my goal is if I want to develop a player, I want him to practice so well that when I put him in the game, people don't start questioning me. You know, like yeah. if I put in a backup corner during the game, I don't want people running to me and be like, are you sure, coach? Because they've seen yeah. him work in practice. They know he's okay. ready. Um, I was coaching juniors yeah. this last year, and I've got this kid, and oh, my gosh, his name's Ed, too. I can't remember his last name. But you ever met one of them guys where you're like, this, this guy's a baller, and he doesn't know it. That's what this kid is. He's a straight mm. baller and doesn't know it. So this guy, I go to him on the sideline. I'm like, hey, man, you want to get in there and get you a little bit? He was like, I don't know, coach. I'm not sure if I'm ready. I was like, what do you mean you're not ready? I was like, you remember what we did in practice? If this happens, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm like, get your ass in the game. Kid goes in, gets a pick. <laughs> kid, kid goes in, gets a pick. Interception. Now, now we're talking about mentalities of coaching yeah a little bit he was never a starter he still never became a starter because he was missing a little bit of the fine tunes for the techniques but i knew that if i if i gave him an opportunity that he he would do well and by the end and, of the and you're not going to learn like you said techniques you're not going to learn techniques on special team no no how is, it. how is being r4 on a kickoff going <laughs> to help you with your coverage of <laughs> from nickel linebacker or your reads at safety yeah you know, like coach and drip feed so practice predominantly drip feed reps when it comes to the practice versus game you got to practice more than you put someone in a game once they get yep. the, the rule is it takes ten thousand hours to become a master at something i guess once somebody gets about a hundred hours then they should be able to play in a game and then work on the, the other 9,900 hours to master it. I, I say wow. you, get 100, you get 100 hours in, you can play. 
and then you worry about mastering it later because you can't. You got to be in the game to master it. You need to be like a, I don't know, like a theorist or like a scientist and start doing like social experiments on people with the all these theories you're coming up with. <laughs> If you like the AFF podcast, be sure to check out my website, perfectpurpose.com, for more football. I have new articles published daily about football in Suomi, interview articles on import players from around the globe, and I dabble in the interest topics about different aspects of American football on the international level. If you want more football, go to perfectpurpose.com and follow me as I observe football around the world. Today, I have a special guest with me, a great athlete that I met during my, my second stint in Brazil. Obviously, his team wasn't as good as mine at the time. Uh, <laughs> shout out to uh, Gaspar uh, Blackhawk, still doing their thing. But uh, today, great athlete, this guy. Big ups to this dude, too. Uh, he's now going to Germany, uh, made the switch from playing in Brazil for 18 years. Decided that now he's going to uh, take his talents <laughs> to the big boy show. Uh, welcome out here in Europe. Uh, that, that's the intro. Welcome to the show, Durante Smith, man. It was good, man. It's good to be here, man. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that's how I do ah. the intro. I gave you compliments <laughs> and talked a little bit of trash all at once. That's how we do it here. Let's just get right ah. into it. Developing players. I mean, you really got a great insight because – Brazil doesn't have the experience of like European players. So let's kind of talk a little bit more about the Brazilian players when we're thinking about this practice experience versus game experience. Um, what do you think is better for developing the local talent? What I've heard a lot of people say is, well, you can't get better unless you play in the game. And I think one, that's a hundred percent wrong. But then I've also heard the flip side of it that you can practice all day, but you, you don't know what's going to happen in the game until you play in the game. So when it comes to making these players better who aren't, I want to say they're foreigners to the sport because American football isn't like a natural sport for their country. So it's not yeah. a sport they've been playing for six or seven years before they start playing in games. A lot of these guys, you get 19 and 20 year old men who they've practiced for like a month. And then next, you know, they're playing against other people who may have been playing for six or seven years in the States. When you're a kid, you've been playing just as long as the other kids. So yeah. even in the games, you're all learning together. You rarely have someone in the States who starts playing when they're in college for the first time against people who've been playing as their kids. So when it comes to doing it internationally, what do you think is one of the better ways to kind of balance the practice experience versus game experience? Yeah, that's a hard question. Like here, that's all we ask is hard questions. <laughs> all we ask is hard questions. Like, so, like, here, down here in Brazil, from what I learned with my team, is, like, doing a mixture of, like, practice, you know, being intense, but then also trying to show them exactly what they're doing wrong in practice and just taking, like, like examples from the game. You know, basically a lot of film study at the same time, showing them what they're doing. And then also trying to imply what we're trying to coach or what we're trying to have them do into practice, which it is hard because, like you just said, you have some people, they're in college, they start playing maybe two months ago, and it's like, all right, go ahead and buy your pads and helmet and let's go ahead and go to the field. 
the biggest thing here in Brazil is trying to imp imply the simple fact that a hey, not only is it repetition, but you actually have to see what you're doing wrong. So, like, the biggest thing for me is showing them what they're doing wrong. Let me ask you this about the guys in Brazil. Um, I've been in Europe a lot longer than I've been in Brazil, but out here in Europe, what we have is a tendency with the older, the men more than anything, and even with the youth sometimes. Repetition is hard to push out here because a lot of people, when they start playing, after they do something a couple of times, they immediately want to do something new. I've been, I've been scrutinized for making my players do the same drills over and over and over. And they're like, well, I see these really cool drills on YouTube. Why can't I do those? I'm like, because that dude has 10,000 hours put in before he did that video. <laughs> but it's, it's a really hard thing to get across. I mean, some, I've had players who literally they quit because they're like, I just don't like doing the same thing so much, and then we don't get to play that much. So what do you guys do there in Brazil to kind of – do you have that issue or do you combat it at all? Like, of course, you have that issue, but majority of the time here in Brazil, you got people that are just like, man, you know, repetition, repetition. Because mm -hmm. what they see on TV, they're just like, man, they do that so well. Well, the only reason why they do that so well is because they do that in practice. For example, now I have like six, seven guys that they want to play in Europe as well. And I told them, of course, you got to have film study, but you're Brazilian. You guys play soccer. Y'all don't have the coordination to do lots of things. They laugh, but I'm telling the truth. Um, yeah, that's honest. <laughs> so I tell them, like, look, as far as you want to be a DB, so every day we're going to do the same six, seven DB drills until you're sick of it. And then you know what we're going to do after? We're going to do it do again. It again. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what happened, what clicked over this last year, but they actually like doing it. It got to the point where I got tired of doing the same gym. Like, hey, man, you know, let's do something else. Let's do – it's just like, nah, man, you said for us <laughs> to be able to play somewhere else. Let's do this. All right. <laughs> okay. They – I don't know what happened, but here, they they all of a sudden, they, they love repetition. That's it's, why it's, it's good, good to have you on here because, like, that is not the case in Europe. And the fact that you just proved that that is a case somewhere else in the world just shows – there's a lot more to the different cultures playing this sport now. Like Brazil is growing at a rapid rate for American football. Mm -hmm. They love it. And it's because of things like what you just said. Like they love the repetition. I remember the last time I was in Brazil, we had what, I think three practices a week or two practices a week. But every like mm -hmm. Saturday we'd have a practice. And, you know, football practice is two to three hours, man. And practice starts <laughs> at around like one or two. I, I think it was like two o'clock. But we had, like, the field was, like, unlimited because, like, no one else was using it. I mm -hmm. swear, I don't, I don't remember a time that we didn't go there at, like, 2. And I don't remember ever coming back before, like, 7 or 8 p.m. Like, we'd be yeah. out there. Like, my shoulders used to hurt. I played quarterback because we'd be out there. And they, we just played. Like, once we started playing team, team period was, like, two hours. I mean, it's not the, the best for you physically, but you could tell, like, <laughs> the guys wanted the reps. And me, yeah. myself, I was like, this is the time they got. Why would I not give them the – if they want the reps, they don't get them. And uh, that's the best way to develop the players. Like, when I, when I posed this question, I was obviously just thinking about here in Europe because there's so many people. And the sport is so advanced 
mm-hmm. that a lot of people come in and they learn so much so fast. Like here, the difference between players here and probably what you have in Brazil is the football IQ is so much higher. Just naturally, when the when the players come to play football, they automatically understand it a little bit better. And because mm-hmm. there's so many players who've played it before, a lot of new players, they learn the sport before they can physically do it. Yeah. I think in Brazil, it's a little bit the opposite way. Physically, those Brazilian guys are in really good condition a lot of times, but mentally, they just got to kind of learn how to play the sport. I think that's the best way to do it, though. If a player can physically get ready before they mentally know what they're doing, you a coach can always put a player in the right situation. And if they yeah. didn't let muscle memory take over. But what you can't do is put this guy out there and he thinking this Madden and then find out that he's not lazy on field. <laughs> you can't just run around people because you know you're supposed to. You know? Like that's I guess that's the worst way to do it is to put him in that type of situation. Where it's just like, hey, go ahead and run. You're supposed to go to this hole. Like, okay, go to the hole. Oh man, where he come from? Yeah, like, coach, you said if I go here, I score a touchdown. No, no, no. I said if you go there, you got to make a play. Now, I can't make you make a play. You went to the right place. I can't make you make a play. But uh, I put you in the spot. You got to do it now. Yeah. If you're listening to my voice right now, you're in the middle of another awesome episode of AFL. Why am I interrupting you right now? Because I got bills to pay. American Football in Finland is a podcast for the people, by the people. And that means I need the people, aka you, the listeners, to become invested in AFF by becoming a patron. Becoming an AFF patron is pretty simple. Click the Become a Patron button on the Podbean app and decide how much you really love American Football in Finland. If you like the show and want exclusive content, become a Level 1 supporter. A level one supporter consists of donating $1 per month to the podcast. That's $12 a year for exclusive AFF content. Level two patrons are true AFF promoters. For donating $3 per month as a level two promoter, you not only get exclusive patron content, but also throw in some free American football and Finland gear so you can show the world your support for AFF. Now, if you really ride with me in the AFF podcast, you can donate $5 per month and become a Level 3 Loyalist patron member. Level 3 Loyalists get all the privileges of a promoter and a Level 1 patron with the additional opportunity to become a guest speaker on American football in Finland. Loyalists don't just support the show, you are the show. But no matter the patron level you become, supporter, promoter, or Loyalist, it'll be greatly appreciated because you, the listeners, will help make AFF the best damn podcast ever. So let's make American football in Finland great. Become a patron today. On the last segment of American football in Finland, American coaches in Switzerland, Evan Harrington and Dwayne Wood, joined the topic on developing players through practice and game experience. Developing players, okay? Uh, both of you guys obviously have experience developing local players in foreign countries. And it, it's a big deal of how fast you can develop these players and how well you can develop them. And for me, one question I have is, which is a better system? Do I want my player to get tons of practice before I put them in a game situation? 
or do I let them learn as they go through playing as many games as they can? So for me, I prefer a player practice a certain amount before I let them get in the game, but also I would like them to have some type of game experience. But for you guys, what what is your preferred method when it comes to practice and game experience for developing players? For me, as far as developing players, man, I found here in Europe, you just got to sometimes just throw them in the fire, man. You just <laughs> you got to throw, throw guys in the fire. I mean, of course, it, it just all depends. Of course, defense is always easier. But I found out, like, through my first years out here, people just didn't understand why they were doing things. So I think I would take. I would like to take the the classroom, you know, the whiteboard part first really intensely and then throw them out there because if they know the why of what they're doing, they're able to do it more efficiently. Um, we don't get a lot of players at the adult level, so I can't really experience a say from that. But – from the junior level, our coach, Robin Hawes, he kills them in practice, and uh, he's extremely successful. He really drills them and drills them and drills them. He has them out there two days a week at night and then Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, and uh, he has them like an American system. Either you're practicing or you're not playing, and you got a certain amount of excuses. If you say you're sick, well, you better get a doctor's paper and bring it to him. He is Cold-blooded. I mean, he's <laughs> close to American coaches you're going to find, and he holds the rules just like that. And if not, give me your material. See you later. And those kids that do come up with us, they are already football educated for sure. Well, that's actually pretty cool because I wanted to actually touch a little bit on the youth players. Okay, when it comes to these youth players, I don't have a lot of experience in Switzerland. I do have a lot of experience here in Finland and kind of watching how it happens. In Finland, it's a it's a real hit or miss with the youth. Uh, you get new players constantly, but it's hard to keep the kids interested because you practice and you practice, and there's not that many games. Like, there's just not enough teams for them to play a lot of times. So for me, my question to you guys is, how do you keep your kids interested? How do you keep them wanting to play? Like you said, uh, Robin Haas, he drills them, and they, they have very high football IQs by the time they get out of the youth program. But what is your kind of record with keeping players? Um, here, it's really hard. Here, we, have, we hit a wall. We'll get players at the ages from like 9 to 13 to start playing, and usually about 25% of those players make it to the men's team before they quit or get disinterested or some sort. There's a lot of excuses. I mean, a lot of different reasons, but the numbers are the numbers, and it's, that's really how it is. I'm surprised with 25%. I would say in Switzerland it's a lot less because they just you just can't play with the big boys if, you're not, if you don't have the physical skills. And at juniors, you can get in there and play and have a little fun and – you know, and you get drilled, like I said, Robin drills them and, and they get selected out. But then after that, you come up to the adults and that's that's men, right? Yeah. That are big boys. And a lot of guys just figured out they're just not capable of playing. And it's okay. They had their fun. Game over. Just that attitude you got about it is crazy to me because here people will start crying about that because the way our systems go, we have teams here in Finland that, um, I'm just going to throw out names of teams right now, matter of fact. Vanta Taft, uh, Turku Trojans, and even um, the Senio Crocodiles last year. These teams, their men's teams are on lifelines now because they have a gap of players. They have like an age gap of, okay, we didn't retain players. 
through like the early 2000s. So now we barely have enough players to compete. Two of those teams, they actually had to drop divisions and one of them had to get rid of their men's team in total because they couldn't, they could not fill 25 players. Like, well, on, on that side of it, I'll, I'll tell you, I truly believe every country that I've been around is doing it wrong. We need more farm teams. There needs to be a town in every village, a, a game in every village, a team eight man playing football. Those kids are going to move to the city. And if we can, I mean, we have 112 cities in Switzerland with a population of 10,000. That means for me, should we have 112 teams in Switzerland? Whether they play eight man or 11 man, I don't care. But at least there should be 112 quarterbacks. There should be 112 running backs. There should be 112 times three or five offensive mm -hmm. linemen. And these kids, they're going to move up to the big dogs. And I, I really think we need those farm clubs. Yeah, I, I agree with Wood with the farm clubs, but I'll say exactly what he said. It, it It's hard getting those guys up, but I would say that also starts with your league. Why mm -hmm. is it that the league doesn't have camps or football introduction days with the schools or doesn't try to help the teams organize things like that? I don't because do that if, either. <laughs> no, if we had, okay. if our league would have something like that, where we had community outreach programs where you say, hey, we're going to have some coaches. We're going to introduce football at this time and things like that. And I think that's that's just a huge problem. It's almost like the league is not willing to unite the teams. Yeah. Because the, here's the thing. If all these coaches from Switzerland were to get together and, and do like some sort of just football event, we just talk about football or something like that in, in, a small, in small towns or something like that, everybody wins. Yeah, everybody wins. I have a friend. The kids say I have a friend that's living in Zurich, and I got a friend that's living in Geneva. Hey, my friend in Zurich's playing football. Why don't I go play football? You know what I mean? It's it's just little things like that that I don't think we do a good job of. You know, you know, you know. Think about the the high schools in those in those towns back home. You know, Wood, you're from a small town. You're from Oklahoma, a country town where I'm sure you know every kid <laughs> when they're born they get a dag on football or something crazy like that. You know what I mean? Just sure. little things like that. I mean, that's what we should do. We should make sure there should be some think, sort of community outreach in every league to help every team support itself. I think that the sport is at a point where um, I'm not sure about Switzerland, but I've done my homework here in Finland. Sport's been here for 35 years. Yet, if I go to any school in Finland right now and ask a random class, have you ever heard of American football in Finland? They'll say no, which makes no sense to me. I would think that after 35 years and having one of the top leagues in Europe that we would have reached out already. From my understanding of mostly just talking to older people who've actually been here longer than me, there was a time, of course, I'm just assuming, but I really think it's probably true for almost every country. There was a time when the sport was like new, fresh, and it was like guerrilla marketing to get as many people as you can involved with it mm -hmm. somehow, some way. And now, 2017, uh, we got all millennial with it. We just assumed that, hey, you know, if I put this video up on YouTube, people were going to just mm -hmm. start blocking the, to play American football. Um, here in Finland, I have my own um, company. It's foot, uh, Purvis Football, you know, and it's a, it's a small startup company. And what I do at the essence is I go to schools and talk and teach American football to kids. I don't, I don't go to recruit, which is in Finland, a lot of the teams, if they actually go to schools, they're trying to get the kids to play football. 
which is not helpful because what if they don't want to? Or they don't have any reason to by you showing up one day and saying, come play football. I go to these schools. I talk to these kids, both boys and girls. And the, the main question I ask them is, have you ever tried it? And they're like, no. Do you, mm-hmm. do you know where your local team is? And they're like, no. I'm like, there's a team that practices, you know, 60 meters from this school every other, like, Thursday or something, and you don't know about it because that team isn't trying to outreach in the community. That team only comes and visits when they want new players. I go to one school, and they say, yeah, a team came, but we didn't really like what their presentation was, and then they never came back because none, pl- none of our students went to their practice. And it's like stuff like that. It's not that hard. And I like Dwayne's idea. If there's a if there's 120 cities, why not have 120 clubs? Now, me, my idea would be to not necessarily make it like one club per city, depending on like how big the the schools and stuff are. I know here in Finland, I've been to schools where the entire school in, involved 30 students. So if I was to try to like set it up like per school, it'd be a little difficult, but per city, it might be something that could work out where maybe instead of it being like a farm team, maybe it's just the after-school club. I don't know how you guys do it in Switzerland, but I know here in Finland, all the schools actually are allotted a certain budget to pay for kids' after-school club activities. It's a pretty simple process. I think that can be done in most countries, and it's kind of a guerrilla marketing tactic that could increase the sport and keep that consistent flow of players. Um, here, that's what I was saying with the teams, is that every four or five years, a team drops off or a new team starts because of player participation. And that starts with at the youth level. The fact is, um, there's a generation, I don't know which generation it is, I really hope it's not my generation, but there was a generation where they basically stopped recruiting or when they were recruiting, it didn't go well. So that means within like a seven to 10 year period, that age group of kids aren't adults. You don't have adults there. So now your team doesn't have players and you're scrambling looking for adult men to add into a sport where, like Dwayne said, this is grown man football. And not a lot of 21 and 22 year old men who've never played American football can just pick it up and actually stay with it. Yeah. I've seen, I think I've seen mm-hmm. five players try to join a team here in Finland and they all ended up quitting. They were, they were strong, fast, smart, but they didn't know football. Like it is what it is. So you have to do it at a younger age. I think that as a whole in a lot of these different countries, um, the newer countries, like if you go down to Brazil, they're recruiting hard. Mm-hmm. I was on a, I was on a team there two years ago. That team had only been around for three, three years, had 40 players tops. In the middle of the season, they do a, a tryout, a hundred players show up, like a hundred like players. They only picked 15 of the players. I was like, y'all are only picking 15? They're like, we're not just picking people. They pick 15. I leave the country. Another like three or four months go by, and they have another tryout, another 100 players. I'm like, where are y'all getting these people? They're like, when we go to the gym, we tell people we play football. Um, All our kids go and tell their friends at school that we play football. This team now has a 30-person youth squad Mm -hmm. on their team two years later. I mean, two years ago, they had no youth team at all. And now they have a 30-person squad that's traveling around Brazil and kicking the crap out of people. That's well, because they're hungry for it, you know? Like, What were the, what were the economics like in that, in that city that you were in? I played on a team where a guy that I went and had lunch with every week owned his own business, was talking to me about settling a million-dollar deal 
And I'm like, okay, this dude got money. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, but another player on our team, I'm actually going to pay him to cut my grass because financially he is strapped. And that was, the, that was the extent of the team. A lot of the people fell on one end or the other. Mm-hmm. And this guy that was making the million, he didn't sponsor the team. I was like, well, you must be, you know, kicking some money. He's like, no, they don't get no money from me. <laughs> like, I'm paying yeah. this guy for a service, but mm-hmm. I'm not sponsoring the team. The president of the team at that time, he works at a bank. And pretty much all day on his lunch breaks, he's at meetings with sponsors. Mm-hmm. They're getting like sponsorship because a lot of the players on the team couldn't even afford equipment. Like they had to get sponsorship to get that stuff. But the thing about it was that they were attacking it. They weren't saying we play this sport. And, it, and the city is actually Gaspar, and it's actually a smaller city because it's next to a huge city called Blumenau. And now Blumenau has a team because the sport picked up so fast. The Gaspar mm-hmm. team did really well. They won a football game by having a lot of fans. So then they got a sponsorship from it. And then the next city over wanted a team because they heard about it. Like it snowballed, but they haven't stopped. And I'm not saying that it's going to keep going like that in Brazil, but if you've paid any attention to it, the last five or six years, American football has grown tremendously there. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's still new and people are still trying new stuff and they're marketing it like it is something new. I think here in Europe, the sport has been, coming from NFL Europe and being so professional and then falling off away from that, a lot of the different countries took their own route after NFL Europe kind of went away. And now countries are trying to get back to it, but there's that history and that history is kind of holding people back. People assume instead of finding out and doing, I assume that, Hey, if I start a football team, I'll get players to play for it. Why do you assume that? Because there's other teams here. That's a horrible, a horrible plan and idea to do it. But I feel like that's the way it is with a lot of these like smaller countries that don't have it figured out yet. I would say also it's uh, about the kind of country that you're in. Like here in Switzerland, life is good. I don't need to be a I don't need to be a a guy who's out there running into people Saturday after I get off work. You know what I mean? Like I I, I make a good living, and I'm sure it's almost like the same way in Finland. And, I have a guy you know, who, like, who literally, he said, I probably won't play next summer. I'm like, why? Well, all my friends are getting married, and I want to go to the wedding. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> That's what you got to compete <laughs> with. Went down to Spain, man. They have everyone's, like, football crazy. You know what I mean? They, they just want to play football. I mean, That's what they want to do. They want to do something different, like. That makes perfect sense. You know what I mean? Like, in Brazil, you don't have anything else. There's nothing else to do, so. Yeah, it's a pretty good option, you know. You, yeah, you said it right. Like life is good. It's got to be harder in these countries where life is good. Need a struggle. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> as, as crazy it might seem, that's that's just my opinion. That's my personal experience and my opinion. You don't see many wealthy people turn into professional athletics. American Football in Finland is now on iTunes. Please rate the show and subscribe today. If you really like the podcast, follow AFF on the Podbean app. Search American Football in Finland and hit that follow button. And for all you loyal AFF listeners, we are now accepting Podbean patrons. Click become a patron on the AFF page and pledge your loyalty. 
Thanks for listening. American Football in Finland.